Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2pm Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Hello everybody, welcome uh, finally after this hard time, we are live, not in person yet, we cannot wait to be in Verona again next year, today we are thanks uh, in Italy, wine to wine for uh, let us uh, do this uh, great uh, live event, as I say we cannot wait to be again uh, in uh, April next year in Verona for Vinital in person. Today I'm happy and glad to introduce uh, one of the greatest uh, communicator of uh, wine in the United States, and not only Madeleine, that's, uh, she will join us uh, soon. She, she won in 2019 Best Wine Communicator uh, and she also made two books, bestseller for James Beers Award in New York Times, and she is the chief designer officer at Paul Enterprise, and she's the creator of winepoly.com. That is one of the best teaching website, and not only that I never saw in, uh, in my life. And uh, uh, this is very important because teaching in general, but about wine, about the biodiversity, is very important uh, for us as well. Uh, like me, that's I work for a company, the name is Italy, that's we are a wine distributor and uh, seller in, all around the world. But now I don't want to talk a lot, but I want to say Madeleine is going to, to give us like a presentation for about 30 minutes. And then at the end, if you have some questions, you can send us uh, your question, we have a Q&A in the last 50 minutes of this session. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so when uh, Kim, when uh, Stevie Kim was talking to me, she wanted to, hey, you should present. Uh, what do you want to talk about? And we've been actually doing a lot of things in at Folly Enterprises, which is the business that is behind uh, Wine Folly. And uh, this is, in the 10 years that I've been communicating wine, I've sort of been learning things and observing things as somebody who is trying to communicate wine. And we've sort of discovered some really cool things. And I want to show you a little bit about what I know <laughs> with this topic of meta luxury, which is, it's an interesting, I want to focus maybe a little bit more on the meta today than the luxury because luxury is a big topic and it was going to take a while to get into. Um, but before I do that um, and, and discuss what this topic is, I really want to uh, tell you how I bought an air fryer because it's relevant um, to this topic of meta luxury. And so <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's, it's like 6 a.m. and I'm talking about air fryers in San Francisco <laughs> to you in Italy. So I find this hilarious. But what happened was this. Someone had mentioned to me 
that uh, they had an air fryer and it made delicious fried French fried potatoes that were super healthy because they were air fried, not oil fried. And what got me onto this concept of air fryers, it kind of stuck in my brain, was that um, I'm mostly plant-based. I run a mostly plant-based diet. Actually, it's 100% plant-based at this point. And the idea of delicious vegetables that are not super oily and could be prepared quickly, because she could make these French fries in like, I don't know, seven to nine minutes flat in her air fryer, and she was super excited about it. And I was, it sort of stuck in my brain. It was the inspiration piece. And suddenly I got this in my head, what the heck is an air fryer? <laughs> I want delicious fried vegetables, air fried vegetables too. And I started this process of looking for an air fryer and like wanting to know more about air fryers. The inspiration happened and suddenly I had this goal in mind. I want delicious, quickly prepared, air fried vegetables. What the heck is this thing? So I started doing research and I was like, there's probably going to be just a couple on the marketplace and I'll just pick the best one and it'll be easy and I will buy it and I will have an air fryer like soon. So <laughs> this in therein lies the next problem that I encountered was a wide array of air fryers on the market. Not only was there one, there was maybe more than 50 air fryers when I started looking for them. There were, and they ranged wildly in price, like from about $35 an air fryer to about $200 an air fryer. And I couldn't figure out, I'm like, what is going on here with this air fryer marketplace? How do I even pick out an air fryer I just want delicious fried vegetables. Now I have a problem. I need to figure out which air fryer to buy. So what did I do at this point? Well, the first thing I did was I started looking at review sites, Consumer Reports, the wire, the, the online review companies that's always reviewing electronics. And then I even went to Amazon. And all the reviews that I kept seeing just made me furious because they didn't really talk about the, they just talked about air fried vegetables. This is what I want, but they didn't really talk about what the device was. Wire cutter, thank you, Rebecca. Um, and that's what, and that's what I was trying to figure out is like, which one is the one I should buy? Which one is the quality I want? I've already associated a goal to this. I've associated a value and the value wasn't necessarily money. It was the fact that I'm gonna put this device on my countertop and it's gonna take up precious counter space. And that was how much it was worth. Like precious countertop space. So I was willing to spend money because of where it was going in my life. All right, so just to put that in your mind, save that for later. So I start researching and I get mad at the reviews. I can't really decide, I still can't decide what I want, although I did sort of point me to the major brands which was good because there were so many brands, I really couldn't figure out what, so like, was it a fly-by-night brand that just New Wave? What the heck is this New Wave? Are they only an air fryer company? Did they just like appear and start making air fryers and they're just gonna disappear tomorrow? Like what's going on with that? So in my research, and you have to, you have to understand I'm, I'm research oriented because I study wine and I'm like, well, I can figure this out. I ended up finding the patent <laughs> 
<laughs> and looking at the patent, the original patent for an air fryer, which came out in the 1980s, early 1990s, and it was for this industrial sized air fryer. And you want to know who owns that patent for air frying technology? It's Philips. And so at the end of the day, I purchased a good old Philips air fryer. And with my goal, it was the most expensive one. It was $200. And it sits on my counter to top today because as a working woman with very little time and a plant-based diet, I use that thing all the freaking time. So I think what this little anecdotal story tells me about my air frying experience, which is <laughs> kind of embarrassing, uh, is that it kind of comes down to this how our consumers make decisions, how we make decisions as people. And this is fundamental in considering what your product is and what your brand is putting out there. And I say product, it is wine and wine is a beautiful thing. So it's much more than just a product, but it, at the end of the day, people are purchasing this thing. It is a product. And this is essentially the steps that we take when we make decisions. We have a goal in mind. Maybe it's having a delicious wine with dinner, or in my case, I want quickly prepared air fried vegetables. Um, and then I have, and then I associate a value to that. And that value goes beyond just the cost of the thing. It goes with the association of the importance we put with that, either that experience, that moment, or that, like if you're a wine collector, that ex long, longer term experience that is involved with purchasing wine. Um, and then what we do is we go through a process of assessing what's out there. And each, and each option we look at, we determine how likely it is going to be to meet our goal. Then we select something. And usually after that, we go, well, <laughs> was that worth it? Um, so the same thing happens with wine. We maybe we learn about Sagrantino, which U.S. folks, the, the, if you're in the U.S. and you're watching this now, please let me know if you know about Sagrantino. I'm sure everyone here does um, because A, it's Italy, and B, we're all wine people, and Sagrantino's crazy, unique grape, and it's super fun. Um, but let's say one of our readers on Wine Folly learns about Sagrantino because we talk about it a lot, and they become curious about this wine. So they're going to be like, you know what, I just read about this grape. It's got super high polyphenols uh, as far as it's uh, super high in anti antioxidants, probably the highest of, there's very few wines that are higher than Sagrantino. And I want to try it. It's bigger than Cabernet. What, show me this wine that is bigger than Cabernet. Um, and we associate a value to that experience. Maybe we're going to share it with our buddy who is a Cabernet lover, and we need to show him what big wine is. So. We might be willing to spend more money for this wine based on the value of that experience. And so, or we're just, we buy wine all the time and we only spend $20 a bottle and that's it. And we're just hoping to find some Sagrantino that we can buy. Um, so we take a look and we assess what's out there on, uh, in the world. And this is how we do it today. We look online at wine shops and see what's available for shopping. We look at recommendations, tasting notes. Maybe we use an app like Vivino and see how ah, Sagrantino, show me what's on uh, in Vivino and give me some ratings and reviews. 
Um, we see what's available in the marketplace. We look at producer information. You know, I started looking up these brands, Phillips, speaking of Phillips, I ended up looking up the stock portfolio, the stock ticker for Phillips and like was assessing their market viability while I was researching this air fryer. Like I went that deep and I am certainly as, I am certainly a, a fraction of the consumer audience out there, but that is a behavior that is a, a fraction of the consumer audience out there. And then we look at bottle information. Maybe I want to buy an organic wine. I, I just have an organic diet and I only want organics and, or biodynamics in my life. And so these things are important to us as consumers and we take them all into consideration. We make a choice and then we see, well, wait, well, was this worth it? Is Sagrantino this great? Now I gotta, we should buy more, honey, order a bunch more. I want a whole case of that stuff. So meta luxury, getting back to this topic of what is meta luxury. I want to focus on this word meta. Meta is, I feel like it's, it's the hot word that nobody ever talks about because it's behind everything else. It's in front of things and we, we ignore the word meta and we look what's past meta. Um, meta is a reflexive word. It essentially transforms the suffix beyond it and makes it something else. Metaphysics, metaphor, metamorphosis. Uh, and one of my favorite words is metadata. And this is, if <laughs> some of you who are photographers know this word, and we'll talk about that in a second, but this word is the reason why Wine Folly is as successful as it is. And I'm, I'm not, I, I can't express this enough. Meta information is talking about the thing. What is the thing before you actually do the thing. <laughs> so information which describes contents of other data. So you have a database full of stuff. Well, what's in that database? Tell me about that. And in the world of the internet and the world of online, we use metadata all the time. It's page information. It tells us the contents of the page. It describes what the article is about. It's the TLDR, too long, don't read, if you guys are Reddit fans. It's it's describing what's happening within this before you dive in and actually look at the data. Um, if you're a photographer, you know this word well. Uh, this is a photo that um, my husband took of me in 2013. And uh, if you can see here, this is the actual metadata from the image. If you take this image and you right click on it and you say, get info, you can access the metadata of an image. If it hasn't been stripped, a lot of uh, pros will sometimes strip their metadata because they like to be <laughs> real trans, like, what's going on? I don't know, it's a mystery. But most images have metadata and you can actually add more metadata onto an image, but this is just the basic stuff that's associated to a digital photo. So for example, I can see the name. I can see what date it was the date it was taken. So this was taken January in 2013 in Seattle. Actually, this was taken in Seattle um, and a really nice hotel. Uh, this is uh, the size of the image. I can see what camera brand I that my husband used to take this photo. Um, the model, it was a Canon 60D camera. I can see the color profile, the color space, the lens he used. It was a 50 milliliter prime lens. I can see that. I knew he had a prime lens, but it's 50 milliliters. I forgot <laughs> which lens he used to take this photo, but there it is. It's the 50, and I can even see the f-stop that he took. So it was at 1.4, and the exposure time was 1 100th of a second. So that is what the data 
used to take this photo. And what's interesting about this data is if you're a professional, you can take one look at the metadata and you can be like, that's too small for print. It is 856 by 1024. That's going to be no larger than like two inches by three inches tall. And I can tell you there just by looking at this information about this in image. But if you were a photographer trying to recreate this shot, you could use this information to recreate the scene. Oh, I know I need a 50 milliliter lens, right? So this is useful stuff. And it was shot on a Canon 60D, which has a two thirds crop sensor. So if I'm, uh, I won't get into it. It's more like an 80 millimeter. That's all I got to say. Um, so the same thing is true about wine. Not only do you have this delicious stuff in the bottle, but there's all the information around this delicious stuff that tells us about what's inside of the bottle. And I'm not just talking about tasting notes. We have where it comes from in the world, who made it, the winemaker who made it, the aging method used on the what, the type of oak, the uh, amount, and, and then we can talk about the actual wine itself, the alcohol by volume, the pH, uh, the, the, as, um, the actual the acidity, the total acidity, the dry extract, the amount, perhaps an indicator of tannin, um, the residual sugar, so how much sweetness is in this wine, um, color, nose, tasting notes, a, a bottle size, bottle weight, a case size, you know, all of this information, this technical information, is something that people use. And is this something that consumers use? Not necessarily, uh, but it is something that's extremely important to professionals. So for example, uh, this is some of the information that we can sort of take from this bottle. There's the photography, there's how was farm, you know, going back to organic or biodynamic or conventional farming in, in the wine, the, the producer's history, that brand, what's the story of the brand, um, the accolades and awards associated with the bottle. Now, this is something that I've seen wineries absolutely take advantage of and use no matter what is using the accolades. But there's so much more going on here. And what I think is really interesting about this is who uses it? Who uses this information? And uh, this, these are the people who are going to be carrying your brand story out there into the world. And they absolutely need this information. And th these are the people that need your information. They are importers, retailers, distribu distributors, restaurateurs, sommeliers, wine writers and educators, content creators like myself. Uh, enthusiasts, seriously, like at the at the consumer level, there are the enthusiasts and collectors who can read this information and interpret it and do things with it. And I will give you an example. I'm going back. Um, let's take a look at this bottle of Sagrantino. I, I made it up, but I did use based on sort of Sagrantino traits, because <laughs> so, I wanted to be somewhat like if I was going to make up a Sagrantino, this was this is my Sagrantino. Uh, it has 14.5% ABV, so it's, it's relatively high alcohol, and the pH is 3.67. If you're an expert and you look at this, and, you, and it's got a little bit of residual sugar, 0.25, that's, uh, it's very low, but it, it's going to affect the way that this wine tastes. At 3.67 pH, it's just above that 3.65 zone, that's kind of like the tipping point, um, where we go over from like a tart wine to a smooth wine, and then it's right, uh, it's got, uh, a little bit of residual sugar and a higher alcohol level, that's gonna make this wine taste big. 
this wine's going to have a bold body and it's going to have a little bit of fruit on the flavor because of that residual sugar, possibly, because of the pH and all this balance put together. And with that dry extract, uh, we're probably looking at a wine that's pretty high tannin. And we see the deep purple color. If I saw these stats on this wine, I would be like, buy now for American audience. Like, I, I know that my buddy who's never tasted Sagrantino before is going to taste this wine. I'm probably going to decant it. But he's going to taste this wine and he's going to be like, oh, Madeline, <laughs> this is some serious wine you've got here. And I'll be like, yep, I knew you'd like it, buddy. Let's drink more. So this is one of those wines, uh, an example of using that information to explore wine more and to understand wine more. And this is the reason why tech sheets are so important and why so many distributors are always asking you and breathing down your throat for this information because it's useful and we must have it to tell your stories. You, as a winery, you could be running around telling your story constantly and you feel like you're a broken record. You're always saying the same thing over and over again. It's still valuable and you should continue to say that thing, but allow the wine to help tell the story too by, by displaying this information and, and sharing this information with more people because we know how to interpret it and we can help other people find great wines. So I want on that note, I wanna show you something really cool because you might be asking, well, how do I actually get my meta information out there? <laughs> like, what do I actually do? Uh, so uh, this is something that we just launched today. This is the Bordeaux Wine Guide. Uh, this is, whew, this is an effort. I will tell you, um, Bordeaux is a complex region. Uh, so what we have here is, uh, now as a wine communicator and a product designer, I'm super excited about the consumer experience getting into wine. So I want to help people learn about different regions of the world. So we created this region guide. It's got video, it's got, um, what it has is all these different sections. So you can go and you can learn about the region of Bordeaux. Um, you can see a map here. You can explore the different regions. You can see uh, actual live data of wines from the region. And um, let's just, I'm going pick right bank. I'm feeling Merlot today. Uh, this, so this is a Libornais. This area contains um, two really famous appellations, uh, Pomerol and Saint-Emilion. So we'll just click on a Pomerol, get, get us going. Um, so as a consumer, we can read through and we can learn more about Pomerol. We can learn about their amazing blue clay soils and how it affects the grape varieties that grow there, specifically Merlot. And we can maybe see a few wineries that make that. Here's their blue, look at that blue clay, isn't that crazy? Um, and then we can actually see wines from Pomerol. And so this was an effort we did in uh, collaboration with the CIVB, the, uh, uh, the, essentially the consortio of uh, Bordeaux. And uh, they added, people added their wines. This is 70% this is Merlot, that's neat. Um, and so we can go through here and take a look at the wines added in Pomerol, and we can actually learn about all these different, wow, that one's 95. We can learn about all these different wines from, that are represented from this region. And what's cool is, and I'll just go, go there, um, is the wineries have been added and each winery has essentially their own profile where you can learn about who that winery is, uh, their, their history, 
where they are located and um, their winemakers who make the wines and the winemakers can be associated uh, to that bought their bottles and uh, we can find a wine and learn more about it and see what's in the bottle and the growing conditions, uh, that vintage, the aging, possibly food pairing, and all this meta information about a wine. And you know what's interesting is like there's multiple vintages. We can go forward and backward and we can learn about different wines over time because collectors and you know over time we, we create history essentially uh, when we're making wine or not myself but when these amazing winemakers are producing these bottles of wine. And so in order to create this um, and this data, we, we actually had to have a database and um, our partner company is Global Wine Database. And so as a winery, it's a product information management system and you can just get going and you can sign up and people would add their wines to this database. And then uh, my team at Wine Folly would uh, take this information, this API full wine information provided directly from the producers and produce this incredible guide, uh, which you know we can learn about all these different wines of uh, Bordeaux. And this just launched today, it was so interesting, I was running through it and I was looking at what's here and, and Bordeaux has a lot of rules uh, associated to their wines. And uh, I thought it was really interesting that there's actually some Chardonnay growing, it's declassified, it's a Vin de France, um, but this, this is some Chardonnay wines that are actually being produced in uh, Bordeaux, of all places in the world, unbelievable. Uh, so this is something that we created. Um, this is a tool, you know, when we work with the, with the region, uh, these, to, to, go, to go public, all the wineries can add their information for free. You can set up product management and, and uh, create your profile and everything. Um, but there's also a paid version which creates a, a one-off site if you want to spin up a trade site which has all the information about your wines. This one's we did for Katana. Um, or Katana's awesome. Uh, and she's, this is one of her, is that the wine that she loves? Which, where's her wine? She loves this Chardonnay. I'm trying to find it on here. She's, they, she makes a lot of wine. They make, they make quite a lot of wine. Uh, the Katana Alta is pretty cool. So we can look at Katana's history of wines that they produce and take a look and learn about those wines. And uh, they, these ones are very well filled out. You can see it's a lo it's low pH. This is gonna be good acidity, uh, 13.9 ABV. And then, wow, we've got a lot of notes on this wine and, and their total acidity, which that's pretty good for a, I think this is a tasty wine. Um, and we can also create a PDF of that information. Uh, so it's very easy to, to set up and to get going. And um, this is what we created so that I, as a communicator, can tell more stories about wine. And um, this is what I'm hoping to do uh, in the long term is to create not just Bordeaux, uh, but a whole suite of guides and then eventually a visual wiki to the world of wine where we can learn and discover wines of the world and, and see what's out there and start making these interconnections through not only their regional connections, but their technical information. Like if you like Cabernet, well, there's plenty of Cabernet in Italy. Let's find out about that Cabernet, Italian Cabernet or, or New Zealand Cabernet from Oakland area, or, you know, the, the 
the opportunity is limitless. And so we, so when I, when we merged the company, Wine Folly with Global Wine Database, the entire goal was to create this visual wiki to the world of wine and to help wineries become discovered. Because in this day and age, we have to be digital. And so that's the story that I have about meta information. And uh, it's, it's definitely something that I'm super passionate about. And I'd love to talk about that, but I'm also happy to answer any other questions that you might have about this idea. Okay, thank you so much. For real, you know, first of all, I wanna say, I don't see your website where I can find a higher prior because you make me feel that I wanna buy one and I don't know tonight with my French fries if I wanna drink Sagrantino or a Perol. But my question for you is that I think we have not uh, in uh, in our stay in with us there are like a consumer and someone that's maybe is a distributor or is a retailer um, sometimes i feel that uh, when i see these incredible contents and then i want to buy it maybe a bordeaux or how you integrate uh, the teaching component to uh, let's say the uh, market component. If I want to buy this Chardonnay that you mentioned before, or the Sagrantino that we saw before, uh, we have a lesson from you, like today, or what uh, we can buy on your website. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then at the end, I say, okay, I want to buy. And I know that in the US is pretty complicated sometimes to get those wine everywhere in the state because some states have uh, rules, some other states have. Can you explain us how you work and how you maybe collaborate with the, with the producer to sell those wines as well? So I, I'm, not a I'm not a marketplace necessarily on the wine, although we do have, uh, it is possible on these sites to have create a buy direct button if, if people want to link through and purchase. But I think what is important is this discovery method and the exploration method and creating an adventure to learn about wine. And in that adventure, you become motivated to spend the time and effort to find the wine that you are looking for. And you know, to solve the US path to market is a big problem that all of us as need to be involved with on some level. And I think um, every, you know, everyone I talk to who is running a wine business in the United States is like, yeah, we got to work on that, right? It's, it's not going to be an overnight thing, but what we can do is continue to offer this information and show how much is out there because we, as consumers suddenly start wanting things and then we make it happen. The, as you can see in the United States, our, we have our, the people of the United States have a lot of power to change things. And so if they want something, they will, they will make it happen and we can change regulation and we can get involved in, in that layer of you know, three tier system. But what I'm also seeing is you know, businesses like Vivino and uh, you know, that have marketplaces built in are sort of depending on quality information to sell the wines. They need quality information to sell the wines. And so Global Wine Database is the API. It's the, it's the tool 
that I am going to be integrating with retailers and importers websites and all these other things. It's like the runway of information. And my goal is accuracy because wineries should have the power to control their information ultimately because it's their product, right? If Philips makes takes a photo of their Philips air fryer, that's the photo that they have contributed to the world of products. It's not some, you know, consumer like photo, although those will be out there and that's acceptable, but Philips is the first source of truth on the Philips air fryer and every winery deserves to be the first source of truth on their brand and their products. And so that's sort of why we create, that's sort of why this database exists is to be that source of truth. But then what we build on top of it, like that region guide that I showed you, that's what Wine Folly made. And that's our, that's our take on the information is we love education. We love to teach you about Pomerol and the blue clay soils that make this delicious lush Merlot. And then you want to buy those wines, right? Or then you want to try those wines. And then I wanna give wineries the opportunity to be like, I make Pomerol. <laughs> this is my Pomerol wine. And maybe I'm not imported to the US yet, but you can see it, it's out there, it's truth. And, and so I guess that's what, uh, I, I guess that's what I'm, what we're trying to do. I, I will admit like, it's not an easy path to market in the US, but it, I think it's, it's solvable, especially after 2020, we've seen the rise of digital and online communication just blow up. And every single retailer that I know that I spoke with on 2020 was like, that was our biggest, year ever. <laughs> so I, I don't see this changing anytime soon. I think enough people moved over and, and had the ease of shopping online and the joy of discovery and that experience. And there's just going to be a need for more of that. I, I don't know if there are some questions, if not, I have another one that's maybe, you know, we have some producer or some distributor that's uh, maybe one, uh, because you said before that you can be your website correct you know like uh, and uh, as you say it's not a marketplace but you can put the description on your winery of how how it's work how we can uh, you know if i am a winery i'm not uh, there yet how we can approach uh, you select the winery or, or there is an interaction between wineries and uh, wine for you how it's work if i can ask. um i don't know if you've done my question I'm, try, I'm trying to understand your question a little bit better. You're saying, how do I pick the wines or? Well, yeah, how you put the wine or if I'm a wine, I'm not, you just said, I'm not in the U.S. yet, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, my wine needs contents and I want to be on your website. How can I approach well, you? I, so I, with, um, with these region guides that we put out, we work with the uh, commission, the wine commission or the wine consortio, and yeah. then we have an open call for every single winery in that region to create a profile and add their wines and it's free. So we have like an onboarding session and then people add their brands and they add their wines to the guide. And the cool thing is, is that guide is dynamic. So as each vintage comes out, you can add more wines and it's, it's free to use. It's a product information management tool that is for wine specifically. And as that guide, as you add a new vintage, it goes directly into the guide because it's, because it's dynamic. So that's the free version. And that version will work as, because it's an API, because this data is stored in a database. If I have, say, a retailer 
who wants to come in and use the API to represent the wines uh, online, they can access the API and add and have access to the wines that are added into this database and put it in their, their online retail store. And so they don't actually have to type in all the data and do all that thing. It's automatic with the API. And I, I see that as the future because every single person I talk to in retail and distribution who are doing online businesses are essentially typing in the information individually every time. And you will know what happens when we do that is we introduce errors. So if we can control the, if we can have a little bit more control where the only person who's making the errors is the producer, <laughs> which is everybody makes mistakes, like at least it goes down to the brand and they are in control of that information. And, and a perfect example of that are wines that don't exist you know, and they show up on maybe a review website or something like that. And you're just like, what is this wine or faux wines, wines, wines that are, are pretending to be something else that they're not. And I think we're going to see more of that uh, in the future. And with it, with, and with di digital, we really want to create something that has uh, transparency and is, and communicates directly from the brand. So when right now we have a premium version, uh, it's like 20, it's, I think it's $40 a month, a month, but we're doing it for 20 right now with a, with a beta or it's, it's live, but you essentially can create a trade site, which has all this information, but I want to do a lot of other cool integrations. Like maybe it's a Shopify, it, it automatically puts your wine information into Shopify. If you have a Shopify online store and then you can sell your wine that way. So there's a lot of things that we can do with this tool. It's just it's it's just one of those things where it's like, as a winery, I don't see still to this day, even after 2020 happened, more winers became interested in online. And I'm like, you should be interested in your product information and representing it online. That's the first thing is let's get your product right. And then we can work about work on Zoom meetings and all this other fun stuff that we're doing online. Um, I, I will answer. Question. Oh, there is a ahead. question. Uh, someone is asking, are you going to expand this to the smartphone app? Because now I think it's just uh, on. Uh... Yeah, it's right now it's just online. It's a web application. And uh, this can easily be spun into a uh, app, a phone app as well. And we're looking into that. I, you know, we, we have a bunch of ideas and it's just like, which one do we choose first? Uh, to me, I really want to make great products for consumers to explore wine. Uh, so that that app, I'm, I, we've been stalling on making on sort of well, we've been building these tools. Honestly, is what we've been doing in 2020. We spent all 20 since 2021 uh, making five region guides and figuring out all the issues with that design model. Um, but yeah, absolutely, apps are cool. I'm down. Yeah. I don't know if someone else has some other question. If not, I want to just maybe give some more information. You, you mentioned five regions. Now, which region are the, the ones that you are more focused on? We, you just saw, I just saw Bordeaux, and you talk about the second team in Umbria. Uh, which um, one? Yes. If the consumer are asking you as well to have more information about some region, I suppose, right? Well, <laughs> that's a great question. You know, we look at a lot of data 
from consumers because we do get millions of visitors a month on our sites. And uh, the thing that, <laughs> this is the, it's the obvious answer is, is, is the answer. And it's the things that people want the most is the things they ask about the most. So champagne, Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon, like it, it's, it's actually that simple is, is the majority of the users are asking these very basic questions about wine. And so the thing that I keep thinking about in that equation is how do I show them more? How do I lead them into this simple topic that is Cabernet Sauvignon, and I bring them into this entire world of wine and extend them to, hey, if you like Cabernet Sauvignon, you might actually like Sagrantino. And so this sort of relationship between grape varieties or styles of wine, you know, categories, this is full-bodied red wines we're talking about. Cab's in one end, Sagrantino's on the high other end of that, and the, but they're both bold red wines. And so when I look at communicating, I try to put this person's question, we can put it in a box and serve them the exact answer that they want. But to me, that's not enough because it closes off the world of wine. It doesn't allow that person to learn more. It doesn't give them serendipity to discover more about wine. So even in our books we'll have uh, that we've created, we'll have a section on Cabernet Sauvignon and we'll mention other similar grape varieties. And I'm pretty sure Nero Diavola is one of those wines that's it's very similar in a lot of ways to Cabernet Sauvignon. And, and when people make that leap and they make that, that connection and they try a narrow, they're like, oh my God, Italian wine's really interesting. <laughs> I'm interested in Italian wine. I didn't think I would be because I've only ever tried Chianti and I didn't like it or wh whatever the, their story is. And uh, that's, that's exciting. To me, that's exciting. And that's why I want a database full of amazing wine brands and wines is with this information, I can start making deeper connections. Like we can we can associate different grape varieties to each other or create content that does that and displays different wines based on a taste model instead of based on a regional model, which is what we've done in the past. We basically, we've basically organized the movie store by director being like, if this is the director and here are all the movies this director makes. But what we should be doing is like, here is the drama section. And here's the comedy section. <laughs> and here is the coming of age girl story section. Like we can have all these genres based on taste and flavor first. And then when you get into it, you can find out the director's really cool or follow an actor, you know? Uh, and oh man, like I'm a Matthew McConaughey fan. I wanna see everything that Matthew McConaughey's put out. Like we can do that too, but we've gotta start with these basic human connection to wine, which starts with what's inside your glass and how does it taste and do you like it? I think we have just a few minutes left. I don't know if there is another question. If not, as Steve, we always say in her speech, we need to be exactly on time. And uh, if not, I want to say thanks to you and thanks to everybody that uh, listened to us uh, today. And I think it was great. Please go on bybolly.com because I think it's a great website, great concept, and the passion that Melin put on teaching us about what she's doing, what she created, is uh, is great. And uh, I hope to see you soon and see you in person.
present all of you in Verona next year for finally having Italy back in person. Thank you so much. I don't know if you had something else to add. If not, I think you wake up early, maybe now not a glass of wine, but maybe a coffee. Uh, I see that. Now, and you see the sun <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, Wine to Wine. Thank you, Vin Italy. And uh, see you next year. Okay. Ciao, grazie. Well, thank you. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin. Hi, everybody. Italian Wine Podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary this year, and we all love the great content they put out every day. Cin Cin with Italian Wine People has become a big part of our day, and the team in Verona needs to feel our love. Producing the show is not easy, folks. Hurting all those hosts, getting the interviews, dropping the clubhouse recordings, not to mention editing all the material. Let's give them a tangible fan hug with a contribution to all their costs. Head to ItalianWinePodcast.com and click Donate to show your love.